You're listening to a podcast from the South China Morning Post. Hello and welcome to the US-China Trade War Update with me, Finbar Birmingham, on the Political Economy Desk at the South China Morning Post in Hong Kong. It's Thanksgiving week. Outgoing US President Donald Trump has been pardoning turkeys and reportedly plotting a few legislative grenades to chuck China's way ahead of his presidential exit, less than two months away now. But over this side of the world, it's been more about statements made by an unusually vocal Xi Jinping. Just days after signing the RCEP, the Regional Comprehensive Economic Partnership, he voiced his support for China joining another trade deal, the artist formerly known as the TPP. One in the eye for US multilateralists who still fume over Trump's decision to pull out of what one of its architects told me this week is still the highest grade agreement out there. Will he? Won't he? China currently would not meet requirements around state-owned enterprises, data and other areas. But in this crazy age, stranger things have happened. Or have they? Let's get on with the show, or as Chancellor Merkel might say, last gain. A week after China and 14 other Asian nations signed the Regional Comprehensive Economic Partnership, RCEP that is, Xi Jinping surprised us at the APEC summit last Friday when he said China is actively considering joining the Comprehensive and Progressive Agreement on the Trans-Pacific Partnership. Bit of a mouthful. We'll just call it CPTPP from now on. A rival trade deal viewed as being higher quality and more modern than RCEP, which mostly dealt with tariff reduction. Joe Shin, John Carter, we were caught off guard a little bit by this one. There have been various utterances from the Chinese government that China would try and join this. But Zhou Xin, it was a little bit of a surprise to hear it come from Xi Jinping, certainly the most senior source this has come from yet. Uh, what do we what do we read into this? Exactly, Fingba. You know, the idea of China joining the CPTPP uh, was first raised by some Chinese scholars. And as you know, if some Chinese scholars say, yes, we should have joined this uh, club, there are also some people saying, no, it's never possible. You know, this is a this is an anti-China club. How can China be possibly joining this anti-China club? And, and then uh, gradually, uh, Premier Li Keqiang saying, you know, China is open to join this club. And now this was uh, Xi Jinping, which showed that Beijing has made up her mind. And also there is a consensus within Beijing that China should apply uh, to join uh, CPTPP. Now they're kicking the ball into the court of the, you know, the members. China is knocking at the door, whether they are open to allow China in or not, the pressure is on the other side. So China has made it clear saying, yes, we support free trade, we support multilateralism. Yes, we have, we may have many problems they don't like, the state-owned enterprises, uh, freedom of information, uh, labor and environment, environment standards, but we are ready to talk with you. Mm. Okay, now, now the, I think the, the, the pressure is on the, on the other side. And, and particularly for the, for the United States, now it's uh, quite awkward, right? Are they going to rush to join in? If they go back, and it will look like, oh, because you know China is uh, trying to join, so the United States have no other choice but to mm-hmm. go back to the club. Yeah. But if the U.S. stay on the sideline, then China will say, okay, then you are completely sidelined. <laughs> yeah, you know, this is our club. It has created a tough one for, for Joe Biden before he comes into office. Uh, I spoke to a number of officials from CPTPP now. Nations this week, one of them called it a bit of pot stirring. Uh, you know, the US was one of the uh, original members of the previous guys of the CPTPP, the TPP, but exited the yeah. deal in Donald Trump's first week in office. Um, John, the week in which Joe, the week in which Xi Jinping has congratulated President-elect Biden on his electoral victory, 
By threatening to further move into the US vacuum in the region, is China laying down a gauntlet for him in the, in the next breath? You can look at it that way. Um, but I think that um, what China wants, and Joe Shin can back me up on this, is he, it would like uh, an end or at least a reduction in the trade war, in the tech war, in the U.S. efforts to contain China. Now, the attitude in Washington is is very much in favor of confronting China, but the question is, by how much and using what methods? Uh, obviously, Trump was very antagonistic, you know, let's use tariffs, let's uh, ban U.S. companies from doing business with Chinese companies. Uh, Biden, at least from what we hear so far and from his appointments to his cabinet, suggests he's going to try multilateral pressure to convince China to obey multilateral rules more than they're doing now. Mm -hmm. uh, whether that will be a success or not remains to be seen. Uh, but uh, I don't know that China is looking to confront Biden yet. And that they may be hopeful that they can strike a more uh, balanced approach to the relationship that allow China to continue to develop its economy and uh, – uh, go forward mm -hmm. in, in a relatively more peaceful atmosphere. It yeah. Again, it remains to be seen. There's a school of thought, both from U.S. Uh, officials, also from people around Asia-Pacific and from TPP countries, um, that this is the same old rhetoric uh, where China likes the trimmings of multilateralism without actually having to make the sacrifices. They point to Xi Jinping's speech at Davos in 2017 when in very much in stark contrast to Trump, who, of course, was, was banging the drum for protectionism and tariffs, she stood up and said, we will be the beacon of multilateralism. There's an argument to be made. Did that happen? Did China follow through with that, John? It depends on your point of view. And by that, I mean, um, in terms of uh, Western developed countries, uh, China's economy is still not as open, or not near as open as they would like. But in terms of developing countries, uh, China has been relatively more successful both in trade and in diplomacy. Uh, I think that the point that um, developed, co developing countries were relatively underrepresented in global uh, economic management um, and China has championed them. I think they've been relatively successful in that um, compared to what was their say, five years ago. Uh, having said that, there are problems with their development. Uh, the Belt and Road Initiative has run into questions. Mm -hmm. uh, China is taking the world stage and finding out that there are both good points and bad points of being a leader, uh, that you become a target as well as, as seen as a, a help. Mm -hmm. uh, but in terms of developed countries, uh, I think China is realizing that it, it faces a big challenge going forward. And that is one of the main reasons for this dual circulation economic strategy, the turn inward, is figuring that it will be more difficult for China to do business externally uh, in coming years. Zhou mm -hmm. Xin, um, you mentioned that the challenges China might have in, in entering the, the TPP, CPTPP, um, standards around state-owned enterprises, transparency, data rules, digital trade. These could all complicate China's bid, not to mention the fact that it's also fallen out with some of the members, Australia and Canada, to name but two. Um, do you see this as a deal that China would 
join on the terms that are set out? Or is this something that China would try and do on its own terms and say, look, you either want to want us part of it or you don't? I mean, can China, you know, in technical terms, is, China, is there appetite to reform the state-owned enterprises in China to an extent that they wouldn't be favoured over, say, Japanese or, say, South Korean companies or Australian companies? Well, I think for China, um, uh, I think about the, the fact that China can start negotiating as uh, the entry into uh, TPP is already a win for, for, for the Chinese government. So I don't think China is looking forward to say, let's sign this deal in next year or uh, next mm. two years. Uh, Remember, China spent like basically more than 20 years negotiating to this WTO, you know, uh, GATT at the very beginning. So China apparently is saying this is the direction that I would like to, I would like to go. But uh, during the process, how far or how fast I will go depends on the process of domestic economic development and also what kind of uh, negotiation uh, process are going on with uh, with, with uh, TPP members. So for the state-owned enterprises, for now it looks like the differences are huge. But China is trying very hard to sell the viewpoint that there's a com- competition neutrality, competitive neutrality. Mm-hmm. You know, state-owned enterprises, they are owned by the state, but they can compete like a normal property. Of course, it, it, it's uh, uh, facing an uphill battle to convince its trade partners that's the case. Mm-hmm. But at least China is trying to, you know, to sell this. And, and, and there are some uh, room for discussion. For instance, if Beijing uh, offers to Brussels or offers to Japan, say, what kind of conditions would you like to see, you know, uh, for us to, to to do about the state-owned enterprises? And then there's an ABC to-do list. And maybe China will do two of them. And so that's the problem can be solved. Yeah. <laughs> that's my <laughs> imagination, of course. <laughs> you should become a negotiator, Joshin. <laughs> <laughs> can, can I say that? Uh, a good early indicator of China's willingness to uh, to compromise will be the uh, investment treaty negotiations with Europe, mm-hmm. which are due to end at the end of the year. Mm-hmm. Um, if China and the Europe, uh, after almost eight years of negotiations, do agree an investment treaty, it would be because China has satisfied Europeans' demand for mm-hmm. better access to the Chinese market and, and fewer perks for state-owned enterprises. And that mm-hmm. would be a major... Uh, accomplishment. Mm. One more point I would like to make is um, for all these kind of external agreements uh, for the trade deals, WTO agreements, we, we should remember that uh, you know on paper it's a, it's a, it's one thing, but in terms of the implementation, if China is confident that it can have uh, total control of the implementation process, you know that would be relatively easier for China to say something. For for instance, for the uh, opening the banking sector to foreign com- foreign banks. Uh, in the WTO entry, everyone was saying, you know, by that time, Chinese banking system were technically bankrupted. You know, if HSBC or Citigroup came in, and no Chinese bank is, you know, even able to to be closed to be competitive. But you know, twenty years later, if you look at that, you know, the, the market share of the foreign banks is still less than two percent. Mm. Basically, they are uh, neglectable. And the, and the trick, I think, is is in the in the in the implementation process. China's unique uh, political economy structure. China's regulatory environment, uh, let alone these all these kind of small things, you know, uh, for every foreign bank, you can only open only one branch a year. But, you know, for a city commercial bank, you can basically open 10 branches a year. So these kind of uh, small rules or the details uh, in the implementation process also can ensure that China uh, really do not lose control of the direction, even in terms of state-owned enterprises. It, it is happy to privatize some state-owned enterprises mm-hmm. and say, Saying you know, 
for for instance, Tianjin. We we reported that the, the whole city is in big problem, and the Tianjin government is in desperate need of setting off its uh, state-owned enterprises, privatize them. So China can absolutely you know these as examples to to say you know we are making concessions. Look, you know in Tianjin we have selling uh, equity stakes in more than one hundred state-owned enterprises. Mm. These kind of uh, concessions. Yeah, uh, a couple of things I wanted to point out from the reporting I was doing this week um, about this issue. Uh, Wei Jiangguo, who's the um, former vice minister at the Commerce Ministry for Trade, he covered foreign trade. His view was that um, the reason China is moving now is because it's now or never. If the U.S. joins under Biden, then the door's closed to China. The theory goes. So China has been almost like uh, set into a sense of urgency by raising its hand and saying, OK, we're interested in joining because um, because of the arrival of of, uh, of Joe Biden on the scene, who is seen as a more, more multilateral leader. Second point I wanted to say is that speaking to U.S. negotiators, I spoke to one guy who was um, the lead lawyer in the U.S.-China bilateral investment negotiations way back in 2015, I'm going to guess. Um, and he said that as they were negotiating the bilateral investment treaty, Chinese negotiators had the Chinese and English language versions of the TPP chapters in front of them because they were cross-referencing what the US was negotiating with China with what the US had negotiated with the rest of Asia. And the imp- the, the, the uh, Im- in implication from this negotiator was that perhaps A, maybe China had one eye on a future in, in TPP, and B, China was also quite worried about the, the US's presence in TPP, that it was a sort of source of friction. Joshin, has that been something down the years that, that was the case? You know, before they pulled out in 2016, was the US presence in TPP a worry to policymakers in Beijing? Definitely think about it. This uh, TPP thing, as I uh, uh, um, said in my column, you know, this is uh, possibly one of the biggest factors uh, driving the ASEP. Because China is seeing that the US is going to take a leadership in this Asia-Pacific trade bloc, and China is basically excluded. And this is uh, something that really worried about Beijing. And also looking at these uh, uh, terms, uh, clauses within the TPP agreement, for those terms about, uh, you know, about environment, about uh, human rights, about labor, about the state enterprises, China sees this as kind of US-led conspiracy targeting at China. So when Donald Trump said, you know, he, the, the United States pulled out of the TPP. I think, you know, many, many Chinese officials in Beijing were like, uh, you know, open lots of uh, champagne to celebrate. So the, this is a really yeah. a strategic gift. <laughs> yeah, the, the, the expensive Beijing was uh, was hit that night, I'm sure. Um, yes. <laughs> John, it's, it's um, Thanksgiving. Um, are you thankful for being here doing the podcast with us on this lovely Thursday? I have a job and I do not have COVID-19. So, yes, I'm very thankful. <laughs> but Excellent. Could I, could I interject and, and, and keep this conversation in context? I mean, the, the conventional wisdom is that Biden has so many domestic problems he has to work on yeah. that the whole trade issue will take a back seat, at least initially. Um, Obviously, COVID is running rampant in the United States, uh, daily records for infections and deaths almost every day, and we're heading into the holiday season and cold weather. And then once you get past the virus, if you get past the virus, then you have the economy to deal with. Mm. Uh, In a 
probably divided Congress. So Biden has a lot of work ahead of him. Yeah. Having said that, his appointments to his cabinet are multilateralist. They believe in the organizations. They believe in the World Health Organization, the mm-hmm. World Trade Organization, the United Nations. And I think we'll see a very different approach to international relations from the Biden administration. How big a priority uh, re-entering the, the CPTPP will be for Biden uh, remains to be seen. Yeah. Um, I don't think it's in his top ten right now. No, I don't think so either. I even even you know the multilateral fl- front of of uh, the Democratic Party don't think that it's going to be anything immediate. Um, but look, it's 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 going to be something that's going to that people are going to be discussing. And we're going to be keeping an eye out for that. Uh, before we we finish up on this, um, what are we looking out for in the days and in the week ahead? Okay, looking forward, I think um, uh, Xi Jinping is going to make uh, another bigger speech on regional trade at this China ASEAN uh, summit. This will be the fourth like kind of keynote uh, trade focused speech in the last five weeks, and you can see how uh, how much priority. Uh, the Chinese leader is putting on the on the trade issues. The first one is in the, of course, in the Shanghai Import Expo. Then he delivered two uh, speeches about regional trade agreements and uh, you know his view about the, the the future of the world trade at APEC. And tomorrow he's going to make another speech. Is that tomorrow or weekend? He's going to make uh, another speech to the Asian leaders to tell them that stay with us, you know, instead of stay within America. <laughs> That's the key message she is going to tell the uh, 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 Southeast Asian countries. Right. Oh, and John, what are you keeping an eye on? Uh, there are a number of things, as you pointed out earlier, the, uh, the, uh, the deadline for uh, U.S. companies to stop doing business with the Xinjiang Production and Construction Corporation, which is one of the big quasi-government organizations running Xinjiang province, uh, which is uh, associated uh, with uh, alleged human rights abuses. Uh, that deadline is Monday. Mm. And so what goes on from there? What Trump administration is saying it will do more against China, what will that be? Uh, we, we hear stories about this list of 89 com- companies, uh, uh, Chinese companies who have association with um, uh, Chinese military mm-hmm. that uh, Trump wants to ban U.S. companies from doing business with. Uh, that list has not come out. Will it come out? And if so, when? Um, we will have uh, the five-year review of the Australia-China uh, Free Trade Agreement, uh, which may uh, produce changes and but likely won't. It will likely just maintain the status quo, given the uh, ongoing dispute between Australia and and China. Um, And finally, in China itself, we have a purchasing managers index, uh, which will show us what the economy was doing in November, middle month of the final quarter, uh, expected to begin doing fairly well. But what we'll look for is any sense of plateauing. Mm -hmm. Is is the economy reaching its uh, uh, ability to grow uh, the limits to its ability to grow, and what does that mean for 2021? Quite a few days for you then, John. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Great stuff. Okay, well, with that, thank you both. Happy Thanksgiving. I'm thankful for having cooperative and radio-friendly editors on our desk. Thank you. Thank you. Happy Thanksgiving. Thanks for listening to this week's US-China Trade War update with me, Finbar Birmingham. We're going to be back same place next week, but before then... 
something to look forward to next on next week's show we're going to have some of the audio of an interview that we've done with a real political heavyweight in Chinese circles Long Yong Tu was one of the architects of China's accession to the World Trade Organization he's been around the block he's seen a few new US trade administrators come and go so it's going to be great to get his thoughts and we'll bring them to you this time next week until then, catch up with us on Twitter at SCMP Economy. I am at F Birmingham. Until then, there's plenty to keep up with on our website 24-7 at scmp.com. Don't forget, wash your hands, wear your mask, keep your distance, stay safe. Starting on December the 1st, the South China Morning Post presents the second annual China Conference. This two-day online event will be live-streamed bringing together business leaders, government officials, academics, and global thought leaders to discuss the unraveling U.S.-China relationship and how it might be repaired. You'll hear expert analysis on trade, immigration, technology, and the impact of the U.S. and China on global governance. To register, search for SCMP China Conference 2020 or visit the URL ChinaConference.us. Free passes are available for a limited time. Use the promo code PODCASTVIP. The second annual China Conference. Presented by the South China Morning Post.